Welcome back into the Dead Arm Sports Podcast. We are coming at you on Friday, January 21st. Friday. Friday. And you know what that means, Jell? You got to get down because it's Friday. (laughs) Get down and dirty. Down and dirty, baby. (laughs) Yeah, it's the infamous Rebecca Black song that you're dear to our hearts oh yes oh man for for any of you uh stoughton high schoolers anybody in my class you uh we went hard on that song during physics so (laughs) attaboy how are you doing today joe what are you sipping on i'm i'm not i'm great i'm i'm doing phenomenal and i am sipping on I'm, i'm i'm diving back into the just doing the deep dive into the Galveston Island Brewing Company Double Vision. Double oh gosh! Yay! Oh no! Still got some left. <laughs> Taking those nice and slow. So yeah, still well, be still in, working that. Hopefully, it's a quick episode. Otherwise, you'll be in bed before it's over. So. <laughs> hey, I might. I still might. I might have to take a nice. Uh, maybe maybe a little siesta. We'll see. A little siesta action. I like it. I had a fever today, Gel, and the only prescription is more cabin. So I am drinking a cabin <laughs> fever. <laughs> not, not more cowbell. Not more cowbell. Can't drink that. So no, I'm drinking a new Glarus uh, cabin fever, and <laughs> yeah, it's uh, delicious. It's one of my go-to's and favorite drinks this time of year. Fever, I hardly know her. <laughs> We can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram, oh, on Facebook, <laughs> and type in Dead Arm Sports will be the first thing that pops up. Subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Send us a screenshot of that review. Get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. Gel can be found at Das Gel. That's at D-A-S-J-E-L. I can be found at Das JPEC. That's at D-A-S-J-P-E-C. Send us in any questions, comments, concerns that you have, and we will answer them on the show. Still have a 100% hit rate on questions answered, Jill. Is that correct? (laughs) That means yes. All right. We are recording on Wednesday, January 19th. Don't have a ton of news for you, but one thing we did want to discuss, uh, baseball is near and dear to Jill and my heart. Don't have a lot of info because, of course, they are in a lockout right now, but had some news come out. Joe hit a little bit more on uh, the contract that Carlos Correa is looking for, but Carlos Correa brought out the big guns, and he is now a Scott Boris client. So we all know what that means. He is going for the big bucks, which, no surprise, he is probably the premier free agent this offseason. So he's going to be getting a big contract, and... Yeah, have a little bit more on that contract he's looking for, Joe. I, I I guess I I'm worried about. So I'm again not shocked by Correa signing Scott Boris. <laughs> the part that's really shitty, and seriously, I'm gonna Josh. I'm gonna put you. Let me let me just do. Let me put you in the perspective of his agent that before he canned him. You have been, and I'm, if I'm, I'm Carlos Correa, you're my agent. You have been representing me ever since I was probably 16 years old, I believe, out of Venezuela. 
I might be wrong about his origin, but I believe he's Venezuelan. Uh, so you've been representing me for the last 10, 12 years. And you've done a great job. You got me to a great organization as an Astro. We won a national uh, uh, World Series title. And I really appreciate everything that you've done. But now I'm a free agent. And now I can't, now that I'm looking for my huge deal, I don't feel comfortable with giving you 10% of my money or whatever. How do you feel about that? Because you worked your ass off for a decade and now <laughs> you're not getting paid, man. You're not going to get, you're not going to reap the rewards. <laughs> uh, for the record, Puerto Rican. Just Puerto Rico. Because we like to be uh, accurate on here. But no, I, I was thinking Venezuelan too there. But no, I I wouldn't be happy. I mean, but again, it seems like more often than not, the top baseball players are with Scott Boris. And it's very rare to find anybody that is the top market player that is not with him. And he obviously does a fantastic job and gets his clients the money contracts for the most part that they want. So... Yeah, I mean, it's very crappy for his former agent, but again, Carlos Correa, at this point in time, he's worked hard and wants to get paid, and there's no better way to find somebody to help get you paid than Scott Boris. No, oh, yeah, and, and obviously, I think Correa has to look out for himself, so I get that 100%. Just, just sucks for the agent, and, yeah. and <laughs> if you're that agent... Let's be honest, He's if, he, if that agent had been representing him for the last decade... He wasn't expecting to be getting a Scott Boris type of payout uh, anyways at some point. But but Correa is looking for, this was reported uh, recently, but uh, according to reports, he was looking for pre-lockout a deal at $330 million dollars. That would be the that would be tied for the biggest deal of all time with what Bryce Harper signed last year. Bryce Bryce signing a 13, <clears throat> 13 year three hundred thirty million dollar deal. So the next most comparable contract to that is Corey Seager. What he just signed this offseason. Corey Seager signed a ten year three twenty five million dollar deal with the Rangers. Uh, just going to run through the next couple biggest contracts. Garrett Cole, uh, two years ago, nine mil, 324 mil, nine year, 324 mil with the Yankees. Insane to, I I personally think insane to sign a a pitcher for that long of a deal, but we can get into that once we start talking a little bit more MLB. Manny Machado, 10 year, 300 mil. That seems a little bit more appropriate. And then... (laughs) Your fifth and sixth most uh, or highest biggest contracts ever were both signed by Alex Rodriguez, the player that will probably not make the Hall of Fame, uh, signed his initial deal with uh, the Rangers, 10 years, 252 mil, worked his way kind of out of that, and then signed another 10-year deal with the Yankees for 275 mil. So... I guess my question to you, Josh, what is Correa's value? I mean, are you willing to pony up 330 plus mil for Carlos Correa? He is a six foot four shortstop. 
So you kind of wonder how, for me, I kind of wonder how that height and, you know, just the size of that player, how that ages, uh, you know, at such a premium position where defense is such a premium. But the power is going to remain. The hitting ability is going to remain. So where do you sit on on giving somebody like Carlos Correa that big of a deal? I guess the first question I have for you, Jell, does his deal come with the infamous dugout trash can? <laughs> if it does, then it's worth it. Because <laughs> then, that, then, then maybe he's... He could then be on track for that that nice uh, that Barry Bonds seventy two uh, home runs in a season. <laughs> no, I I don't know. I being a Cubs fan, I've seen the Cubs give out some crazy money to guys that those huge contracts never live up to it. Yeah, they might the first few years where I just I hate teams giving that much money because rarely does it end up working out for them. I think if you're an AL team, granted, right now, as of this recording, again, the lockout's going on. We don't know the state of the DH, but assuming that the DH comes to the National League, then anybody's good to go with it. But an AL team, you could probably get more longevity out of that, transition him over into a DH role as his career goes on and keep him fresh and keep his bat going. NL team, I don't know. I... I'd like to see it more if I was an NL team being in that four to five year range as opposed to something extremely long term. Try and lock him up throughout his prime. It just, again, if you're in win now mode and your window is the next four or five years, then yeah, maybe you give him that long contract in hopes to lure him in, get a couple World Series or get a couple deep playoff runs and then deal with the last couple years of the contract but otherwise i don't know i'm more of a fan in that four to five year range and that's where i I, I think so so correa is 27 so is Corey seager they're both pretty much in that same price range again seager signed for 10 years for 325 would you rather give that money to Seager or Correa? Who do you have a little bit more trust in, I guess, between those two players? I'd probably have to go with Correa. I I don't know. He's been putting it up year after year with Houston, and I don't know. Seager, that money just seemed kind of crazy for me, and I think that was the Rangers wanting to get a marquee player. They opened up I the think new so stadium too. recently. Finally, got fans into it last year. They, 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 they signed, don't they have a face Marcus of the Simeon franchise too for yeah. two seventy five mil, I believe. Yep. So they wanted somebody that they can be the face of the franchise, and maybe that's what happens with Carlos Correa. Somebody comes in, offers that ten year deal that they want him to be the face for the next ten years, and get people to come in, get their fan base excited, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the idea for me with all of these really long-term contracts is, you know, it, it was kind of like the, the Pujols deal for the Angels. It was like, okay, I'm going to sign this guy for a 10-year deal, but I know I'm only going to get six good years out of him. <laughs> the Angels obviously got like one or two maybe <laughs> out of their deal. But if you can, Not get, a great deal. If you can get six, seven seven and a half good years out of somebody out of a 10 year deal. And it helps you win a title or two. I think it's worth it. 
Yeah. But, you know, and again, it's not my money that I'm not spending that money. But I, I don't know. That's the way that I look at it. I, I like it more. I think I like the Seeger deal more than I. I think I like Seeger more than Correa long term just because I like the swing of Seeger having that left handed bat, which the left handed bat is always, always yeah, really nice. Plus, plus, there's you know there's a number of teams that you could send you know if you if you want to if you if the Rangers really want to offload that Seager contract, send it to the Yankees. Yankees would be like, oh sweet, left-handed bat for our short porch. We can take on that money for a little bit of production. So I like the left-handed bat more with that kind of money, but I don't I don't know. Correa tends to hit. You know, there's been years where he's hitting. 260 yeah he can hit over 30 home runs but he's hitting 260 and again he's six foot four weighs over 200 yeah he probably sits two six four 220 that's a little that's a little bit much i think for like you can't expect that to hold up as a shortstop over the long haul no and that's why i said he's he'll be suited to hit that dh spot towards the back half of that contract because yeah he's not going to be playing full-time or, or at the very at the least you throw him over to third because the dude because correa i mean the dude has a cannon yeah for sure but and phenomenal glove but yeah you yeah. can't I, I i don't i do not love the i don't love 10 years 330 with correa if that if that's his goal i don't know let let's Hopefully it's not one of my teams that's going to pay. Well, I know the Brewers <laughs> won't be paying that, but I, I just, I don't love that contract. I can't give him that kind of, that kind of money. He, he is clutch, but I can't, I can't do that for Carlos Correa myself. Yeah. Could you do 1.19 million per season for like 40 years? Cause Bobby Bonilla is still getting paid by the Mets <laughs> for his contract till what? 2035. So Bobby Bonilla. Yeah. 1.19 mil through 2035. He's 58 right now. He's got another, <laughs> he's going to be making that salary till At he's 72 70. years old, 72, 72 years, years old. old. That dude, whoever his agent is, maybe I don't know who it is, but that agent deserves a shitload of credit and a shitload of money. I hope, I hope, I hope that agent gets you know at least a ten percent little little bonus there every year because <laughs> Bobby Bonilla, man. Yeah, July first is a National Bobby Bonilla Day. It's when he gets paid. Always, always. <laughs> that that alone is worth uh, sending off the or shooting off the fireworks. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, transitioning over now, uh, somebody that could have had probably a pretty lucrative MLB career, Kyler Murray. We'll get into that recap here, Gel, and uh, wonder if a thought went through Kyler's mind during this game that man, I wish I would have been playing baseball because this one, this one was ugly. Los Angeles Rams hosting Arizona, thirty-four to eleven, and. I want to kick this thing off, Joe, with I don't know if I have seen an uglier pick six than that one that Kyler threw. All I can say is I hope before he threw that pass, he yelled grenade because that's literally what that pass looked like. <laughs> it literally looked like <laughs> grenade. <laughs> hey, that's what counts. Uh, it only, or that only counts in grenades, and oh, we don't need to get into some of the other uses for uh, for that again. Yeah, you want but that? No. Listen to a what two week episode ago? 
<laughs> it was always it was a little bit yeah it was that was incredible uh but no his okay so his first kyler's first half finished finishes off with a truly phenomenal seven for 17 28 yards and a bombing 9.3 passer rating I, he i mean awful you you put yourself into that, and obviously that ex, that inexcusable pick six in his own end zone. And I, the st- the stats are one thing. Like everybody has a shitty game. I get it. That I mean, I mean those stats aren't excusable by any measure. You're in the playoffs. You and he's got an ability to do amazing things. But what was really, really inexcusable to me was that pick six. I He had three and a half, four seconds. I mean, if you go back and look at that replay, seriously, a solid three and a half, four seconds Don't for him to get awesome rid of that ball. Pump fake he threw in there, too, in the end zone. And he, and he had a pump fake. <laughs> like, in the end zone, man, you got to just make these damn reads and get rid of the ball. You're in your own end zone. This isn't... This you're not playing high school football anymore, man. Like, what are you doing? So, I don't know. Like, it, there there has to be some sort of like internal clock that needs to go off for Kyler, and he that clearly hasn't developed. And and maybe he froze up because he's, you know, he's nervous. This is his first playoff game. Whatever that that could that that had to have played factor played some sort of a factor in it, but. No excuse for, for again, if your offensive line gives you three and a half seconds in your own end zone, you got to, shit, he should have, you got to get rid of that ball within a second and a half. You make your first read and you go. You make your, an easy read and you go. That's how you have to play that court. Four seconds, three and a half, four seconds. Really? Like you can't, you can't hang on to that ball. You can't pump fake, obviously. <laughs> no. One of my takeaways from this gel too is it's something that I had brought up earlier on our Dead Arm Dynasty podcast before the season started is I just don't think Cliff Kingsbury should be their coach. Granted, there was a lot more wrong than Cliff Kingsbury, but they have some solid pieces on offense and it just it doesn't click. They're extremely inconsistent. I just don't see what he brings to this team that you justify keeping him around. Yeah, he's so he's going into the last year of his contract. And it's always really awkward when these kind of situations go around like, you know, having a guy on, you know, basically hanging there like even if I do good, is it going to be good enough? You know, or obviously he knows if I shit the bed, then I'm not going to be returning. But it's always it's always super awkward when a head coach goes into a final year of his contract because the que- the question all season long, if that GM takes any press conferences, and when that head coach takes all of his press conferences every week, it's gonna be is Cliff Kingsbury returning or to Cliff? Do you feel confident that you're going to be returning next year? So it's going to be really awkward if Arizona doesn't give him some sort of an extension. But but at the same time, I don't know if he deserves an extension. I mean, we've seen over the last, his entire tenure with the Cardinals, he starts off really strong the first half of the year. But then it just, 
it just completely falls off the second half. And and you could say, you can also say, okay, is that Cliff's fault? Or is that the fact that Kyler is teeny tiny and always gets in and has gotten injured every year in the second half of the year and just isn't the same player? So who, where do you where do you put this blame? I mean, do you, do you put it on Cliff? Or do you put it on Kyler for getting hurt? Or... Do you put it on the on the organization for drafting Kyler and and thinking that he can stay healthy? I, I I don't know what to do. I mean, if you if you draft a five foot eight quarterback, the only way that he's gonna be able to survive is with his mobility. But he can't stay healthy with that mobility. So what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I think they made the right call drafting Kyler Murray because Josh Rosen sure as hell well, that to in anything. That's, so, yeah. I mean, they made a good call cutting ties with him after the first season, but I don't know. I mean, you you saw Kyler Murray his rookie year into his sophomore year seem to improve a little bit, but it was just like he hasn't taken that next step. And granted, yeah, he hasn't been healthy, but when he is healthy, you still haven't seen it where I just – I don't know. I think they need to bring somebody else in and give What's, him kickstart like, oh, with it and just I don't I don't know. I just Cliff Kingsbury hasn't done anything anywhere he has been and I just I just don't think he is the right guy to be leading that organization. What difference did you did you see like name anything that you saw a difference this year from Kyler versus last year? Kyler when they were both healthy anything I I honestly think he regressed he didn't run the ball nearly as much this year and I don't know if that's Cliff Kingsbury's scheme I don't know if that's Kyler being afraid to run with the ball but that is one of his best skills that is why he was the number one overall pick in the draft was his mobility his decision making when running with the ball when he was at Oklahoma he was elite he was a game changer there and you saw that a little bit his rookie year, saw that a little bit his sophomore year, and once he started getting hurt more regularly, that's when you saw his mobility go down, and keeping him in the pocket is not a good combination. So they need to figure that out. And granted, he was hurt. Maybe he wasn't fully healthy coming into the season or whatever, but I don't know. They need to figure that out and get him moving around a lot more. Well, I, that- I, I would agree. I would, I would, the only thing that I would say is, what is Cliff supposed to do with a quarterback that is consistently injured? I, I don't, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Kyler, both season, both of these last two seasons, he's after that, after last year's, uh, Hale Murray, people were saying, Hey, let's make him, let's make him the, uh, the MVP of the year, or let's make him the NFL MVP this year. Same thing around the same time. I mean, middle of the season, let's put hit, let's, let's make Kyler the, the favorite to win the MVP and then he, he gets hurt and it's it's the it's been shoulders it's been ankles it's been ribs I mean it's been the whole freaking the whole gambit here this is the problem with drafting somebody that like as you had just previously mentioned in you know transitioning over to baseball he's built like a center fielder he's not really built like an NFL quarterback man what are you supposed to do with somebody that's five foot eight, five foot nine? You're really stretch. You're really stretching it with somebody that small. And I mean, yeah, he's dominant when he's right, 
we're talking now we've got a 17th week of NFL football. If this is high school and we got an eight, nine week schedule, that's one thing. College, 12, 13 week schedule. That's what that's that's another thing. Although we also saw at Oklahoma that they could never finish when he was there. Now we're talking a 17-week schedule plus playoffs with a teeny tiny quarterback. Always been that's always been my issue with Kyler and I agree he's worthy he was worthy of that number 1 pick, but we're you're you're seeing the downside of losing some of that dynamic, you know, part of his game, which is him being dynamic and running around. Speaking of injuries, what about Cam Akers? I mean, that what an incredible job he's done from coming back from that torn Achilles. Actually looked halfway decent in this game, too. I was shocked at his usage. I thought it'd just be kind of here and there, but it actually looks like he's healthy. It's kind of crazy. He looked like he should be the number one back for the Rams. He was, <laughs> like, I don't even know. I can't even sugarcoat this. Like He looked really, really damn good. How did this happen? I don't know. Science, amazing what happens when science gets involved, but or and medicine and medical information. It's incredible what that can do. But how did this happen? I I don't know. It's it's insane because he looked obviously incredibly dynamic. A lot of big plays. You can you could immediately tell the difference between him versus. Sony Michelle or or uh, Daryl Henderson. I mean, it was it was immediate once he started breaking plays open. Yeah, no. Stafford had a big game. Cooper Cup, of course. Odell Beckham. So this is a it'll be a fun uh, preview coming up here. Gel the uh, Rams and Buccaneers on Sunday. Before we jump into that, though, uh, like we had done with the previous matchups, Arizona finished the season at eleven and six. I guess we dove into a lot of Kyler Murray, so we'll just keep this short so that way we can jump over into the previews. But you see them better, worse next year. It's a tough, 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 tough NFC West division. A lot of turmoil up in Seattle. Not sure what that's going to look like. San Francisco probably transitioning over to Trey Lance. And the Rams probably bringing back a good chunk of this team. Odell Beckham, not sure on. But where do you see Cardinals finishing next year? Yeah, I I would I would say probably either the same record at eleven and six or worse. I don't I, honestly I I see them probably missing the playoffs next year. I just can't I can't trust Cliff Kingsbury late in the year. I that's that's what it is, or the combination of Cliff and Kyler. Again, they start off so strong, and it looks like I'm gonna look like the idiot. At the you know first half of the year, I'm like, ah, oh, what am I doing? You know, they're they end up, and then they end up, you know, ending up being a wild card team. So I don't think that I'm I'm not high on the Cardinals going into next year. They we don't they do they are supposed to get DeAndre Hopkins back, but he's been dealing with that injury for a while. Who knows if this turns into a Julio Jones situation and it continues to linger? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins. It's not like D Hop's. 23 24 years old anymore and that's that's kyler's that's that's his biggest weapon so i i think i have to say 11 and 6 is their cap 
But if I had to put money down, it's going to be less than 11 wins going into next year. And I, I, I hope that the Seahawks are a little better too next year. No, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. I think 11 and 6 is their ceiling. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be huge coming back. You could clearly see Kyler did not have that go to his fallback option, never really developed any more rapport with AJ Green, Christian Kirk. Rondell Moore had a flash the one game, and then that was about it for the season. You could well, tell that, he was I, I think that's because those guys are, at this point, A.J. Green yeah, I mean, he's is limited. Done. Christian Kirk <laughs> is what he is. He's not. He's never going to be a true number one or yeah. anything like Moore's that. Moore's a rookie, so he's still learning the offense. And Rondell Moore is a rookie, yeah. yeah. But you get DeAndre Hopkins back, and I think you can take away – Granted, James Conner proved a ton of us wrong, but I just do not see that season again next year that he had this year. This was just absolutely ridiculous, and he has been extremely injury-prone in the past, stayed healthy, relatively healthy for the most part this year. So I think the DeAndre Hopkins coming back will help, but I think you'll see a regression in James Conner next year. So I just... Yeah, probably that nine nine wins is probably where I would put them. That's at, kind probably of just above about 500. right. Nine and eight is yep. exa- That's probably exactly where I put them as well. Yep. And and again, maxing out at eleven and six, but Rams are going to have a second year with Stafford. Niners, that's Niners may be the wild card here. I mean, if Trey Lance is assuming that they go with Trey Lance next year and he's garbage and they end up going 5 and 12 that may be a little that may be the wild card here but Rams aren't going anywhere and the Seahawks can't get worse so i i i see here 9 and 8 is i think that's a perfect uh point to for them next year all right, let's jump into the division playoff matchups here, Joe. Again, we're going to run through each matchup, give you the spread. Yours truly has a little weather info for you for the weekend. Look then, at you, meteorologist yeah. Josh. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only job where you can be right, what, 50% of the time and still have a job? <laughs> yeah, I know I can't. <laughs> We're going to kick this off. We're just going to go in the order that the games are going on this weekend. First one up is a Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, of course. Here's your two hosts here in the Central Times. So we're going to give you all the Central Times when we'll be watching the game. Cincinnati taking on Tennessee. Got Tennessee as the one seed. Had a bye last week. Tennessee right now is a three-and-a-half point favorite. Weather in Nashville on Saturday, 38 degrees Fahrenheit, no precipitation. So it looks like a good one out there. You can hit up uh, Lower Broadway, have some beers, listen to music, and then mosey on over to the game. So should well, do, be a- do you what? What is the? Is there a perfect weatherman, weather woman name? Like Sunny, Sunny McStorms, or? <laughs> I don't just coming off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I believe one of was it one of the backyard like baseball games. One of the announcers is like sunny day or something. Like Perfect. That. I don't know. That is a so, per- yeah. that's it. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of something else, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, how about Stormy Daniels? 
Stormy Daniels. (laughs) (laughs) This one, Tennessee, sounds like they're going to be getting a huge boost back. Derrick Henry is cleared and should be good to go on Sunday. We'll see what his conditioning is like, see what he looks like out there. But either way, that's a huge upgrade over what they've been working with at the running back position. What, what? You, don't, you don't think Deonta Foreman is the uh, is the long-term answer for the Titans? I mean, he did a good job filling in for them. So sort of. Yeah, it was fine. It was all right. For not having a backup plan behind Derrick Henry. Cincinnati coming off of that huge win against Las Vegas. They're on a roll right now. Joe Burrow, first road test in the playoffs. Tennessee, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones had a week to rest up and should be healthy in this one. This one should be a good one. This is the only game of the weekend that is not a rematch from the regular season. All the other matchups, they did play each other earlier in the year, so... Should be a good one. I am I'm looking forward to this one. Gel, what uh what insight do you have? What way are you lean in on this one? Yeah, I I think I, I have to go. I'm gonna lean Tennessee minus three and a half. I would take the point or I would take Tennessee on this line. Uh I, you know, like you said, Derrick Henry, he's practiced in full today. He's not even listed on the on the injury report anymore. So I have to, I just have to lean that way. Fresh body, fresh body just for Henry and content and, and just fresh bodies all around for Tennessee. AJ Brown is now going to be back. Looks like Julio's going to be back. You're going to have your full complement of, you know, the, that entire offensive line, that entire defensive line. The, the, I, I, and ultimately I trust Mike Vrabel over Zach Taylor in in a in a playoff game it just comes it comes down to like you know baby steps for most teams we see we saw this with the with the chiefs where you know it was with alex smith you know they they win a they make the playoffs then they win a divisional round then they make the conference championship and then they bring in Mahomes and obviously they win the Super Bowl we see this every we see this kind of stuff every year and i don't think that somebody going from last to first in their division can then win two playoff games i i I feel already i feel like the Bengals have overachieved given that i think most people probably pegged them for fourth third maybe in the division fourth probably (laughs) i i certainly had them pegged for fourth uh in the division i can't see them just coming out and winning two straight two games in the playoffs. Playoff football is different, man. It, it's it's not reg, it's not the regular season, and I don't know. I I think I think next year maybe could be the Bengals' year to to make the AFC Championship if they're able to continue this momentum. But I have to give the edge to the Titans again. Derrick Henry's back. Tannehill, Vrabel. AJ Brown, that front, that front, uh, or that, uh, yeah, that front seven has a lot of playoff experience for the Titans as well. That entire offensive line has a lot of experience. I'm going to, I'm going to lean Titans because of the experience factor. I love it. That's exactly what I wanted to hit on is that experience factor. They got eliminated from the playoffs earlier than they wanted to last year, but got a taste of it. 
Tennessee's at home. They found ways to win the second half of the season that I pretty much had written them off for the most part. Once Derrick Henry went down, that's a huge part of their offense, but yet they still found ways, whether that was defense stepping it up, Tannehill stepping it up, Donta Foreman stepping it up. So it they just found ways to win. Cincinnati, yeah, they came off of a win last week, but very well could have been a loss. I mean, they had the one controversial play that gave them a touchdown that, yeah, they still might have found the end zone on that drive, but could have been a field goal and could have been a different ball game there. But I like Cincinnati, like you had touched on, getting a taste of the playoffs of this year, being able to say, yeah, we did a lot better than anybody had pegged us this year, took a huge step for our franchise. We're going to be back and ready to go next year. Could definitely be a team that makes a deep run next year, but I I think their playoff run ends in Tennessee this week. Tennessee had a week to rest up. I don't see that affecting them at all. Have a lot of veterans on that team that knew how to use this week off and get ready for this game, rest up. Yeah. Tennessee at three and a half. I, I like Tennessee side of this too, Joel. So we were on the same page here. What do you think? Okay, so now my, I guess I've got to just ask this question. Obviously, the weakness of Tennessee is their secondary and the strength of the Bengals is that yeah. receiving core. So, I mean, what? If, if let's say you're Tennessee's DC, what do you do? If I mean, do you do you just say, look, we're gonna double chase this entire time and leave it up to Tyler Boyd and T Higgins to burn us? I think you have point? to. I think you have a sh- uh, safety shadow and just kind of be eyeing up <laughs> chase the whole time. Make sure you don't get beat. If you don't get beat, you have a great chance of winning this game. And I think if you can take Jamar Chase away and make Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins beat you. They're solid receivers, but they don't have that X factor that Jamar Chase does that can just take over a ball game, put up three touchdowns, 200-plus yards, and just absolutely take over a game. And and, and just Chase's speed. I mean, the the only way that Tennessee I, – I, the way that I look at Tennessee, the only way they can get beat is with numerous big plays because they're – with Derrick Henry coming back – they should be able to control the ball and control that time of possession. So if they're able to control that time of possession and then limit those big plays, Jamar Chase is the big play. That's straight up. So if they're able to limit Jamar Chase and limit it to T Higgins and Boyd and Usama is what I heard on the broadcast. (laughs) Usama, Usama. Uh, think maybe we finally got it. Uh, <laughs> the pronunciation. Only took us the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> Only took us till the playoffs. Yeah, better um, late than never. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think that if you can, you have to put your defensive focus on Jamar Chase. And if they're able to do that and succeed in that, then I think Tennessee. I got a Tennessee six point win here on my personally. <laughs> Let's move on to Kansas City at Buffalo. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, We're going in order of the weekend. Next one up is uh, Saturday, 7-15. Oh, right. San Should Fran at host. Green Bay. <laughs> defer to the host. Get out of JPEG. Green Bay in this one is a uh, six-point favorite. You had mentioned you have Tennessee by six. So- Transition. 
not as much in the precipitation area. Some snow flurries during the day in Green Bay. High of 21 degrees Fahrenheit, low of negative 1. So temperature will be a factor, as you can expect, in Green Bay. Both these teams matched up earlier on in the season, September 26th at San Francisco. Green Bay coming away with a thrilling 30-28 win. San Francisco left too much time on the clock. Aaron Rodgers drove them down, and Crosby kicked the game-winning field goal as time expired. This one's got a big storyline. Jimmy G had that UCL injury, and now he also has a strained or a sprained shoulder. So we'll see how that holds up in the cold weather. You have Nick Bosa, who had a concussion from that game. Haven't had any word yet if he has cleared protocol. And then Fred Warner with that ankle injury. So a couple big hits on the San Francisco defense. On the other side of the ball, Green Bay, Bakhtiari's back. Jerry Alexander's back. Darius Smith should be back. So they seem to be at full strength going into this playoff. Tell us a little bit more, Joe. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I almost like hate that I'm doing this, but I'm going to take Green Bay minus the six points. I'm going to take Green Bay winning by seven or more, and I don't love it because I am, as a Packer fan, I'm scared as hell about this game, but. All those injuries that that you just brought up, Josh, I think that that can really come back to bite them. Obviously, Nick Bosa, if he's working at a, if he's working at sixty percent versus a hundred percent, that's going to be a big difference. Fred Warner, whether his presence is in the pass rushing game or in the covering coverage, uh, pass coverage game, that's going to make a difference. And then, and then Jimmy G. Now he's got a thumb and a sprained shoulder to deal with. I don't know what's going to... I don't know how they can make downfield plays. Obviously, with Bosa and Warner both being injured, that's going to hurt their pass rush. On the Green Bay side of the ball, with those injuries, Fred Warner now, again, debilitated a little bit with that ankle... I'm just I'm just looking forward to Devontae Adams lighting it up on some of these slant routes, on some of these, you know, if he ends up playing in the slot a little bit, you know, you got Lazard in the slot, you got Lazard out wide, Devontae in the slot, and then on the other side you've got uh, MVS out wide. Devontae Adams can just fucking eat, man. And with no Fred Warner there, who's who is outside of Nick Bosa? The Niners' best defender, I think Devontae Adams is going to just absolutely go off. My obvious question, though, is can they defend the run? Eli Mitchell, (laughs) I mean, he he just dominated, especially up the middle against the Cowboys. And then I'm worried about Debo and Ayuk both running the ball on the outside. So, I... That's that's the only issue is if if Ayuk or Debo end up breaking one or two of these long runs, especially the way that uh, George Kittle has been blocking lately, absolutely dominant blocking tight end. If Green Bay can limit those big plays, I don't see any way ru- those big running plays on the outside. I don't see a way that San Fran can win this game. But if Debo breaks one 
out, and same thing with Ayuk. If Mitchell breaks one up through the middle, we could be talking about a completely different game, but I think that Green Bay is going to come out really, really firing because I don't see that Aaron Rodgers, he cannot lose another game to San Fran with the Packers. That and the Packers do not have a great record at home in the playoffs. Surprisingly, they're right around 500. Not, not, not over the last like decade, 20, decade, decade and, and a half. half. Yeah, which is insane. You think about the huge advantage that they have with the cold weather, playing in the cold weather for the last month of the season. This one should be a good one. I Like you had touched on, I think the X factor with this for San Francisco is can the Packers contain Debo? Can they stop him in the run, keep him contained in the pass? Jimmy G, that injury really worries me, not only with the shoulder, but that UCL. It's cold. Football's hard to grip. It's going to be very interesting. Everything everything tightens up in the cold. If I'm Kyle Shanahan, what I'm doing in practice this week, I'm getting a bunch of different plays designed for Trey Lance to come in here and there. The Packers historically have been horrendous at stopping a mobile mobile quarterback in the playoffs. I would have a couple packages ready for Trey Lance to go out there and give him a different look. They're probably prepping for Jimmy G. Trey Lance hasn't seen the field for the most part when Jimmy G has started games and finished games. So that would give them a little bit different look, give the Packers something else that maybe they haven't prepared for during the week. Ultimately, though, I do see the Packers winning this game. I think San Francisco is going to give them a run. I like San Francisco at plus six. I think it's going to be a closer game than a touchdown. I think it's going to come down to the wire like it did earlier on in the season. But that is only if Jimmy G's got to have a clean game. He cannot turn the ball over, whether it's interceptions, fumbles. They have to play a clean game on San Francisco's side in order to come away with the win. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. The fact that you brought up Trey Lance, like that could honestly could be the X factor. Okay, moving on to Rams at Tampa. Tampa is right now a three-point favorite. For me, the Rams, I mean, just look at at these last games. Uh, Rams obviously looked incredible against the Cardinals. Didn't... (laughs) Can you point out too many flaws from the Rams from that last game? Probably not. Uh, Tampa obviously also looked really good, but they were playing obviously lesser competition given it, given that they were playing the, uh, the Eagles. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. You can, (laughs) if that's the team you want to ride, go ahead, buddy. Why don't you kick it (laughs) off then? (laughs) No. Yeah, no. Um no, I don't know. I I I really for me, I really like the Rams in this position here. I think that they, you know, it, I don't know how much I can trust Tampa with not knowing the health of Leonard Fournette, not knowing the health of Ronald Jones, Tristan Wirfs, their center Ryan Jensen. I mean, li- listen to this entire this entire injury report. Shaq Barrett Giovanni Bernard, Levante David, Ryan Jensen, Ronald Jones, Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, JPP, and Tristan Wirfs. For me, I think this might be the end of Tampa's run. I, I don't know. I is and and I, it's impossible. It, it's it's really hard for me to say 
Brady can't handle it because he's obviously the goat. But how? What do you? What are we supposed to do here with with all of these guys out? And that's what makes me think that I think it's it may be this may be the end of Tampa's run. Plus, L.A. found a new gear with Cam Akers coming back. He clearly seems like he's back to form. And Odell, who's he's found a new gear himself. He, according to PFF, graded as the top wide receiver last uh, amongst all the games last week. So. I I, I kind of I mean three points to Tampa. I think I'm I'm gonna be a betting man. If I'm a betting man, I'm gonna give it to the Rams. And I probably personally I take the Rams betting on the money line. Rams over Rams get the win straight up. Yeah, this is clearly gonna be Tampa's first test of the postseason. Obviously, the Eagles last week were not much of a challenge. Perfect weather day in Tampa on Sunday, gel 63 degrees, no precipitation. So I think that favors the Rams. Meteorologist Peck. Yes. (laughs) I think it favors the Rams. The Rams played Tampa on September 26th in Los Angeles. Los Angeles came away 34 to 24. And that was really in the time when Stafford was at his best earlier on in the season, threw for 343 yards, four touchdowns. And like you said, their offense is clicking. They seem to get a spark this last week with Cam Akers back. OBJ has been phenomenal since he's come over in the trade. Seems like he's fit in very well with that offense. Obviously, Cooper Cup is up there for MVP. He's not going to get it, but had an MVP-type season. Offensive player of the year is probably between him. Still between him and Jonathan Taylor, though. Yeah. You know. And like you had touched on with Tampa, this is going to be a huge test for them. Last time they played, they put up 24 points against the Rams and had their full onslaught of wide receivers. That Now all you have is Mike Evans. Jalen Ramsey is going to be on Mike Evans like a polar bear in a snowstorm. And <laughs> it's, I don't. Nice. I just don't see it. I mean, if unless Gronk has just a monster game or Scotty Miller – or Tyler Johnson step up. Tyler Johnson had a few ugly drops last week, but if they step up, that Tom seems Brady to be the is, theme with Tyler Johnson. He had he's had yeah. multiple weeks with really with multiple really bad drops. Yeah. I mean, if anybody was going to find a way through adversity and injuries to win a game, it's Tom Brady, but I just I don't know. You can never count him out, but it just seems like this this mountain is too tall to climb to overcome this game. I also like the Rams straight up in this one. I just think it is their time right now. Their offense is clicking. They came into the postseason. Granted, they lost week 18 to the 49ers in overtime, but their offense was still looking pretty good. That was a 49ers team that was fighting to get into the playoffs. Rams didn't really have too much to play for other than just winning the division and Looked phenomenal against Arizona last week, and I I see the Rams walking away with this one. And according to both of our notes, then gel that means it will be a Los Angeles Rams Green Bay NFC Championship game with the two teams Odell was deciding between. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> I, I I guess my question to you, I mean, I, or I guess the question itself is kind of obvious: of who do you trust? 
between Stafford and Brady? And the obvious answer is Brady. But do you trust Brady enough to overcome this newfound running game of the Rams between Akers and Michelle, so big, big time Sony. And it sounds like probably not. I would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, Stafford's going to have to play well. Tampa is still doing a great job shutting down the run. So I don't expect Akers, Michelle Henderson to have huge games on the ground, but I don't know. Stafford looked okay last week, had a solid game. Didn't throw an interception, but, but they, it, you know this, this is this is like the Rams. I think finally, hopefully, if they want to get to the next level, they they owned the run game, and they need to continue to to uh, to do that because Stafford threw for under two hundred forty yards. If they're reliant, he, what, on, if they're reliant on Stafford, it's not going to go well. No. No, but he's going to have to make throws when they need him. They're not going to be able to just run the ball Big like time. they did against Arizona. So, yeah. Final final game of the weekend. This is our Sunday quote-unquote night game. <laughs> 5.30 or five, Central. 5.30 Central time uh, night game. Uh, Kansas City at Buffalo. Right now, Kansas City is a two-point favorite. Do you have any uh, any lean one way or another here, and any what, what you got on this game? So these two teams again, they met on October tenth. Buffalo coming away with the victory at Kansas City, thirty eight to twenty. Josh Allen had an absolute monster game, three hundred and fifteen yards passing, three touchdowns. Had another eleven carries, fifty nine yards, and a touchdown. So accounted for four touchdowns in that one. Kind of in that stretch when we were all wondering what the hell Kansas City was doing is in that stretch when Patty Mahomes didn't look good. This one's tough, man. This one is going to be an absolute bloodbath, I feel like. You have two just stud offenses with matched up against pretty solid defenses from both sides. Kansas City coming off of a dominant performance against Pittsburgh, granted, it's Pittsburgh. It was Ben Roethlisberger it's, it's, who could yeah. <laughs> is not in even the same conversation as Josh Allen anymore. And Buffalo faced a New England offense that, let's be honest, not the most elite, middle of the road. So both of these teams didn't really have too much of a challenge on defense last week, but their offenses were both extremely efficient. Kansas City kind of let off of the gas towards the end of the game after just absolutely dominating Pittsburgh. And Buffalo had the most efficient offense we've ever seen. They had seven scores and seven drives. So, I mean, you can't get much better than that. I would this say one, you literally uh, can't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, weather's not going to be a factor in this one. Have to finish that off, Joe. I have uh, 44 that day in KC, 25-degree low, no precipitation. So, weather won't be a factor. However... Kansas City's home crowd will be one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. Buffalo has the experience now. They made a nice run last year. I see Buffalo coming away with a victory here. I just, I don't know. They just, this year seems to be their year. You have coordinators right now that potentially they won't have next year. And Brian Dable, Leslie Frazier that could be moving on to other roles. Josh Allen has been clicking. He's been on fire. The run game has been going. So I just, 
I don't know. Kansas City hasn't really gotten that run game going where they rely a lot more on Patrick Mahomes, where Buffalo's got a great secondary and can limit what Mahomes can do for the most part. And I I like Buffalo in this one. I like the underdog. Straight up? It's KC minus two. You like Buffalo straight up? Yeah, well, I like him winning the game. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take KC with the win and with the points, but not extremely confidently. Uh, all, all of this the is points, one that could I mean, go this, either this way. This is straight. I mean, <laughs> literally could. <laughs> I mean, this is you know it's at minus two, which from Vegas. So basically, what that tells you is this is as close to a pick'em as you can get. Yeah, if it was at a neutral site, it would be a pick I think that two points is because Kansas City's at Kansas City. If it that, was at yeah, Buffalo, exactly. I think it'd be Buffalo minus two. So. Exactly. Yep. It, but, you know, I I go back to, you know, Buffalo, they did, on, they did score a touchdown on every possession last week against New England. Kansas City also scored on six straight possessions. I don't think they were all they weren't all touchdowns, but they did still score on six straight possessions. Incredibly impressive. And I I mean, can I make the argument that the Steelers defense is better than the Patriots? I think that's appropriate. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Kansas City winning by three or more in this game. Obviously. Patrick Mahomes is a lot more dynamic than Mac Jones. So Buffalo's defense is going to be facing a completely different offense. But then at the same time, Kansas City's defense has fallen off a little bit from the middle of the season. It's it's almost like like one side of the ball for Kansas City is good at a time. Like either Kansas City's offense is awesome like they were in the middle uh, at the beginning of the season or Kansas City's defense is awesome like they were kind of in the middle of the season and then they flip-flopped again but both it's like both both sides of the you know both the defense and offense can't get in sync at the same time is this the game that they get it done I don't know I think that Buffalo's a little bit scarier honestly than Kansas City, but I think I trust Andy Reid. I think I trust Pat Mahomes a little bit more than I would trust, uh, you know, than I trust the, you know, Josh Allen and his squad. No, I, like I said, I can't really argue against your take on it because this is one that I'm excited to watch and it could literally go either way, which is Sometimes you have games that that's, match that's up. What the, and... That's what you want in the playoffs, you know. Yeah. I, I think I think this is the this is the best game of the week, and and the best part, this is going to be the last game of yep. of the weekend. So, yep. I'm I'm definitely obviously looking forward to it. All right, Joe. I think it's time to talk a little golf action. Got the PGA Tours next stop back to the continental United States after having two tournaments over in Hawaii. They are at the American Express. This one is in La Quinta, California. This one's fun. They play three different courses. There's three 18 holes that they make up throughout the weekend. 
first three rounds, each player plays at a different course. We have the PGA West Stadium course, which will be the course that they'll play in the final round on Sunday. You've got La Quinta Country Club and then the PGA West Nicholas Tournament course. So Jack Nicholas designed course. Defending champion in this one is Siwoo Kim, won it last year. And yeah, it should be fun. The stadium course is reminiscent of TPC Sawgrass's finish, have a nice island hole that instead of those nice like boards that hold up the grass and dirt and everything, it's just like rocks. So no, it just you just always... fall in, you just end up falling into uh <laughs> just falling into your demise nice and slowly. Yes. Well, I, what I like about the rocks, too, is I know you're the same way as me. We play courses that have rocks on them, and being amateurs, it's always fun when you hit a ball and it's heading towards the rocks, and you're just like, hmm, is this bouncing into the water? Am I going to get a nice kick up onto the green? Just so unpredictable, and it's kind of exciting, but also at the same time, you know that more than likely than not, you're going to end up in a bad spot. But <laughs> no, it should be a fun course, a lot of big name golfers playing in this one this is the week before i believe tory pines is next week and yeah any uh any other insight in this one for you Jill? yeah i mean john rom is the favorite i think that he if we're being honest if we're just looking at pretty much any tournament this year right now wouldn't john rom be your favorite for most courses i know that this field is somewhat limited you don't have all of your studs out there but john rom uh, he you know he's he's should he not be the favorite in any tournament at this point right now because he's, he's the a world right now at plus 550 yeah i mean he's the world's number one and right now over the last year or two he deserves to be the world number one. I honestly don't think it's extremely close. He's been pretty dominant, and he almost came off with the victory at Kapalua a couple weeks ago, lost by one stroke to Cameron Smith. And no, he's been on fire on a tear, and he's hard to bet against. When he's on, there really isn't a whole lot of guys that can beat him without bringing their A-plus game. So no, I... I don't see why any tournament he enters, he should be the favorite. Yeah, he he won it in 2018, so I'm I'm not shocked by this. Obviously, uh, Patrick Cantley last year was the runner-up. Right now, he's at 850. Do you give him a halfway decent chance? I mean, he's obviously played this course well, and just his overall game is absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he kind of he he kind of. All last year, he was in the mix for a number of tournaments. Obviously, this one being the runner-up, and any reason to say that he shouldn't be involved in this one? No, I mean, he should be. He had a solid finish last year and obviously had a great season last year, capped it off with a Ryder Cup victory and playing for the Ryder Cup. So, no, he obviously likes this course and had success last year. One of the other things that I really like about this course is it's it's one of the more you know it's one of the more popular pro am type of tournaments. I mean yeah. this and this goes way back. <laughs> I I was looking at some of the uh, some of the previous amateur golfers, if, if you even want to call them amateurs. Uh, Bing Crosby, <laughs> he was he was in he played in this tournament. I mean. 
Bing Crosby, hell yeah. Anytime I can get bring Bing Crosby into a conversation, I'm in. Best, <laughs> best Christmas music ever. And an incredible voice. But the the that's that's one of the coolest parts about this tournament is like you said, it's a 54 hole course. So with these pro-ams, they're not just playing the same course over and over and over and over and over. It's you know, they're playing a different course. So this is one of the more popular pro-am courses. Uh, I, I just love that Bing Crosby was out there. The other thing that's really cool that this and, and film, the Phil Mickelson foundation has recently taken this, uh, the entire, you know, uh, organization of this tournament over. <clears throat> so obviously Phil's playing in it. Do you see Phil? I, obviously like Phil's on his, you know, do you even want to say back nine? I'd say maybe, maybe, maybe 17th hole at this point. I mean, do you see, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't see Phil actually competing really too much here. He's probably out there more for business purposes, but, uh, and I mean, you know, just figured I'd bring his name into here. Yeah. I mean, he won at the ocean course at Kiowa Island last year for, um, PGA championship had a couple wins on the champions tour has been killing it there, but yeah, it's just, it's a tough field. He's going to go out there and hit bombs. He's still one of the most entertaining golfers out there, whether that is just his social media presence, which give him a follow shout out to you, Phil, not a, not a sponsor, but Hashtag he's, Phil he's hilarious. He's not a yeah. sponsor. He's hilarious, and I believe he's going to be one of the golfers that is going to be featured in that Netflix special that will be coming out next year that Netflix is doing. They're going to follow golfers throughout the majors and kind of give you some more behind-the-scenes insight that they did with the F1 series that they produced too. So I'm excited for that. Phil's been on numerous the celebrity uh, 2v2 matchups that they've done the last couple of years, whether that was him facing off with Tiger or him playing um, Bryson and everything. So no, it's Phil is so entertaining. Love watching Phil. He's always been one of my favorite golfers since I can remember, but no, I, I don't see him competing in this one, but the only, the, this is the thing with Phil that I have to see. I, I'd like to know your thoughts on this. So Phil, obviously, it was like Phil and Tiger. Phil and Tiger. Those were the two guys when they were both in their primes. If Tiger was not there, where does Phil end up ranking as like an all-time great? Because Phil ended up getting shafted out of a shitload of you know a number of probable you know i i'm not saying tiger ended up beating phil straight up a number of times but we would probably we may look at phil a different in a different way if tiger wasn't there probably look at a lot of the golfers in a different way if tiger wasn't there but they were both in their prime at the same time yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say he got shafted because, I mean, Tiger earned all of his victories and was really good. But, no, I mean, Phil probably would have had a few more wins, probably a couple more majors. But Phil also, he struggled early on in majors. He choked a lot on the last the US rounds Open, of man. it. Like, and just, like, it was like three or four times that he just Yeah, he just himself. had 
had so much trouble closing where it just seemed like everything was clicking the first three rounds and then something you just get a bad bad bounce or bad luck on the final round but no I mean Phil still will be in the conversation for I don't know probably top 10 top seven golfers all time but yeah I mean obviously Tiger is going down as (laughs) I mean some will argue Jack had more majors but I mean I don't think there's anybody more more dominant than Tiger when Tiger was in his prime but no I mean Phil will be in the conversation for sure for one of at least especially favorite golfers people have had all time and performance wise yeah I'd say top 10 top seven six five somewhere in there he's gotta be he's gotta be up there uh just last last quick note before we get into our picks just if for any of you that are out there if you're in a golf trivia league the 72 hole record at uh the at this course the american express as it's currently named is Patrick Reed in 2014 with a final score of two or a final uh, number of strokes at 260? That's a 65 average. Why don't we get into the picks? Uh, Josh, you are in the lead by two strokes, so I think it's my turn, right? I gotta. It is, yeah. So, how this segment's working, we're kicking it off with the calendar year at Kapalua. We each get to pick one golfer each week. Once you use that golfer, you cannot use them again. So, it's kind of like what we did with our Drew Locks with fantasy, uh, fantasy football. You can't pick the same golfer as that opponent each week. Whoever is in the lead overall gets second pick. So, who's ever losing gets first pick during that week and we're going to keep it going through the tour championship at the end of august early september in atlanta so yeah gel you you closed the gap by uh two strokes last week i had a four stroke lead going into last week but yeah closed it by two still in second place so yes you sir get first pick this week who are you going with it looks so good after my last week's pick of kevin na being the first round being the leader after after round one but he was not able to carry that really throughout the tournament so i am still in second place but yeah like you said gather uh was able to gain two strokes on the on the uh the competition so i'm going to go with somebody who over the last three tournaments finished all three tourneys with top 11 finishes this could be disastrous because he's always great or awful so it <laughs> great could combo be, could be great we'll find out at the end of the tourney but uh you know i kind of i kind of have to root for matthew wolf okay i like it last year Cause... in this tournament he was given a one stroke penalty at you know at this same tournament at the amex for uh for picking up his ball slash, you know, not playing it where it lies. I have to personally root for somebody that does that because that's kind of how I play every golf, every, every, every game of golf. I, you know, I go out there, I try to, you know, fluff up the grass a little bit or, you know, maybe if it falls, ends up sticking on a tree root, you know, I'll, I'll pull it right off the root, you know, a couple of inches. wedge. You know, <laughs> exactly. So I, 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 uh, 
I have to root for somebody that's been penalized for that. All right. No, I like that pick. Matthew Wolf is a solid one. Kind of a he's more well known to the younger golf crowd right now, but still somebody that really hasn't taken that next step in his career. But yeah, no, I I like the pick and always a interesting swing to watch. So something to tune oh, into he, and it's everything. The it's the, it's got to be the goofiest swing ever. But oh, somehow it besides ends up Charles working. Barkley, but professionally, well, yeah. Well, Charles Barkley's isn't any is is ends up sitting out in the woods <laughs> at least matthew wolf's uh, ends yes. up you know on the fairway <laughs> yes my golfer that i'm going with this week has done well at this course in the past is coming off of two years ago was in the top 10 two weeks ago at kapalua he finished fourth Somebody that I can give my true feelings on now because I didn't want you to steal my pick, Gel. It's Patrick Cantlay. I absolutely love him this week. I was week. so close. I was absolutely so close. love him. Finished out last year with the course record on the stadium course, shooting a 61. So somebody that absolutely loves playing in this tournament has done well the last two years playing well two weeks ago i think it's a recipe for success to get me uh get me out into a sizable lead against you so i am locking in patrick cantley yeah i i was i'm that's a great pick again not i i'm 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 hanging on to him for future tourneys but that's because he's because he's gonna be in there i think he's gonna be in the mix all season long yep so I, I had to go. I was going for a bit of a long shot here with Matthew Wolf, but Cantley is a great pick, and I I can't I can absolutely cannot fault you there. Yeah, I was tempted to save him for a little bit, but learning from my mistakes in our Drew Locks and waiting on guys, I realized that I got down too far and then couldn't come back. So get the get the hot you know. guys. Yes, I'm going to go with uh, who I think will do well right off the bat and no holds barred. But All right, yeah, so it should be interesting. We will recap that, let everybody know where we sit on our early podcast next week. Again, what we do with that is whatever score that golfer finishes at, that's a score you add it to a running total that we have throughout it. So if one of the golfers doesn't make the cut, whatever they finished at after that round, then that's it. So. We'll see where we sit and uh, looking forward to recapping all of these playoff games. Gel should be hopefully a better weekend than last weekend with wildcard weekend. That was uh, pretty disappointing outside of a couple of games. So fingers crossed we've got four solid games that will be enjoyable to watch for an entire game length. But uh, we'll see where the weekend takes us. Yeah, no, I we <laughs> it can't get... <laughs> that much worse than it was last weekend (laughs) so yeah i i don't know much i mean we had two good games out of last weekend so out of six really if you look at these matchups we should be expecting at i mean we should be expecting it i would i would think we get three out of four of these games are good if not all four because where, where where could you possibly see a blowout here? I, um, the only potential I could see is if Cincinnati just like that's can't the one score. I was looking at too. Yep, 
if they have one of their games like they did against what the Browns that one week where Joe Burrow couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. <laughs> <laughs> and he's hot and and yeah. he's obviously oh, he's, on he's fire. hot as hell, but he is streaky. So I I don't know. That's the only one that I could see not living up to par, but look at these uh, these games are phenomenal. I'm I'm stoked. I can't wait to watch football. <laughs> I wish it I wish man, I wish it was here already. I know. It's only Wednesday for us. Luckily, when you're listening to this, it's Friday and it's almost here, one day away. So we can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. Type in Dead Arm Sports into that search bar. We'll pop up. You can subscribe, rate, and review on any of our social medias. Screenshot our or screenshot your review and we'll get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. Just send us that via DM. Make sure you give us a follow on all of our social medias. Gel can be found at DosGel. I'm at DosJPEC. Write us in any questions, comments, concerns you have about the show, and we will answer them for you on the next podcast. As always, have that 100% hit rate. Gel, where can they listen to us at? For anybody that is doing their own podcast, make sure to hit up Anchor. Uh, they both have a app and a web browser availability on the web anchor.fm on their app. Just search up uh, anchor on your uh, chosen app store. They also allow us to, for you listeners to hit us up on our show at Apple podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google pods. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Take that review. Hit us up at Dead Arm Sports on Twitter and or Instagram. Find us on Facebook just by searching Dead Arm Sports. We'll hit you up with some little, little swagging, little swagging action if you are able to send us a screenshot of that written review. As Fergie would say, it's swagalicious. <laughs> <laughs> swagalicious definition make dead arm go crazy <laughs> come on that's that's all I like right it. i like it on the spot yeah no that was good <laughs> all right thanks so much for putting up with us today and listening we really appreciate it hopefully you're enjoying the content and if you have any suggestions for anything you'd like to hear or any segments by all means write it in we'll take a look and see what we can come up with otherwise Hopefully, again, fingers crossed for some phenomenal playoff games that we're able to recap and give you some in-depth convo next week. But otherwise, Gel, close us out. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya.